Palm. Bear. Here. Rumble. Here. Skidmore. Here. Revere's here. Alder Wood. Here. Zellers. Here. Aarons. Fall Day. Alder Beater Seal is an excuse. Alder Carter. Alder Sheeks. Here. Clear. Here. DeMarv. Here. Eskridge. Here. Mr. President, we have a quorum. Thank you. Uh, uh, we're all thinking of Alder Person Bedar at this point because she is not with us because she's under the weather. So. Uh, best wishes from all of us, Alder Person Bidar, for a speedy recovery from what's ailing her. And uh, with that, I recognize President Pro Tem Rummel for the customary suspension of the rules. Uh, move to suspend rules 2.04, order of business, 2.05, introduction of business, 2.24, ordinances, and 2.25, resolutions for items so designated on the agenda. Is there a second? Moved and seconded to suspend our customary rules. Those in favor of suspension of rules will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. It takes us to our honoring resolution, agenda item number one, a resolution honoring the 10th anniversary of Friends of Cherokee Marsh. And I recognize Alderperson Kimball for a motion and reading of the resolution. Thank you. I move the resolution. Is there a second? Moved and seconded to adopt the resolution, Alderperson Kimball. I would like to read the resolution. Whereas the Friends of Cherokee Marsh advocated to protect the marsh in the city's Cherokee Special Area Plan, including support for purchase of over 300 acres now permanently protected by city ownership, and whereas the Friends of Cherokee Marsh established the Cherokee Marsh Conservation Fund to provide a permanent source of funding for conservation at Cherokee Marsh, and whereas the Friends of Cherokee Marsh work to provide funding for carp removal and preventing shoreline erosion on the Yahara River at Cherokee Marsh. And whereas the Friends of Cherokee Marsh provides transportation funding so every local teacher who wants to bring a class to the marsh for environmental education can do so. And whereas the Friends of Cherokee Marsh sponsors birds and natural outings, paddle tours, candlelight walks, and other events with Madison Parks and other partners. And whereas the Friends of Cherokee Marsh volunteers with Madison Parks Dane County, and the DNR to preserve and restore native plant communities in wetlands, prairies, and woods, and whereas the Friends of Cherokee Marsh assists Madison Parks in project development and implementation through data collection and monitoring, and whereas the Friends of Cherokee Marsh participates in Madison's Cities Connecting Children to Nature initiative, and whereas the Friends of Cherokee Marsh were recipients of the Madison Parks Volunteer Group of the Year Award for 23 and the Wisconsin DNR Volunteer Steward of the Year in 2014. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Mayor and the Common Council of the City of Madison congratulates the Friends of Cherokee Marsh on the occasion of their 10th anniversary and commend them for their volunteerism and active devotion to protecting the Cherokee Marsh the largest wetland in Dane County at the top of the Yahara River watershed. And I'd like to present it to some of the founding members. Thank you. Please do. And if the Friends of Cherokee Marsh representatives that are with us tonight would please uh, join us at the podium for the presentation from Alder Person Kimball. First of all, this is our president, Dan Axelson, who is, uh, keeps the whole thing going, and James Crowsey, Dan Axelson, Mary Mannering. Uh, in case anybody doesn't know, former older person, Anita Weir. Okay. It's great to have you back here, Anita. 
Yes, it's nice to see you and know that I don't have to stay. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the 200 members of the Friends of Cherokee Marsh very much appreciate this resolution. We also thank the City of Madison for its recognition of the marsh and its important and the marsh's importance by financing wetland and prairie restoration work and purchases of additional land for the conservation park. The 4,000-acre marsh is the largest wetland in Dane County and has been recognized by the Wisconsin Wetlands Association as one of 100 high-quality wetlands in the state. Residents of Madison and beyond show their appreciation of the marsh by frequent trips there to hike and observe nature. We invite you to come to one of our many nature walks and canoe tours. We offer a monthly guided bird and nature walk on the first Sunday of the month from 1.30 to 3. We hope to see you all there. You're also invited to our annual meeting from 10 a.m. to noon, Saturday the 21st, when we will celebrate our 10th anniversary and hear a presentation from the International Crane Foundation. Finally, in the face of climate change, it is even more important to protect and improve our natural treasures to be enjoyed by our residents now and in the future. Madison is justly known for its natural beauty, and we are doing best to preserve that asset forever. Thank you for your dedication to that effort. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Thank you again, Alderperson Kemble. I don't believe we have any petitions or communications that have been received. I also don't believe there's any. Oh, yes, we didn't vote. Thank you for the reminder. Those, is there any further discussion on the resolution? Seeing none, those in favor of the resolution for uh, um, official sake, <laughs> say aye. aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries, unanimously adopted. Thank you again, everybody. Uh, as I was saying, there's no petitions or communications. I don't believe there's any early public comment at all. And that takes us to presentation of the consent agenda. President Pro Tem Rommel, if you please. Thank you, um, Council President Rivier. So, I've got a late minute update here. Um, I, agenda items two through seven are public hearing items. And so, of course, they get, go through the normal process. Um, the following items are extra majority items, which will be recorded as unanimous unless a roll call or exclusion is requested. requested. And that would be item number eight, legislative file 45572, reported the mayor submitting citizen appointments. Number 15, oh, this is a two-thirds vote required because some of the appointments apparently are from non-city residents. Number 15, legislative file number 45279, authorizing a renewal of their memorandum of understanding with Unity Point Health Meritor and the City of Madison for the Madison Fire Department to provide paramedic case management services and amending the 2017 Madison Fire Department budget. That's a 15-vote item. Number 20, legislative file number 45484, a substitute 
accepting a grant from the Wholesome Way Foundation Charitable Ventures, Inc. 2016 Nutrition Incentive Support and Innovation Grant Program in the amount of $23,120, amending the 2017 operating budget of the Mayor's Office to appropriate the revenue and expenditures associated with the grant, authorizing the Mayor and City Clerk to sign an agreement with Wholesome Wave to receive and use these funds, and to enter into an MOU with the Williamson Street Grocery Cooperative for the use of these funds within their stores. This is also a 15-vote item. Number 35, legislative file number 45534, authorizing the city to accept an award of $94,513 from HUD's 2015 Continuum of Care Program Competition, amending the Community Development Division's 2017 Adopted Operating Budget as appropriate, and authorizing the Mayor and City Clerk to enter into agreements necessary to accept the funds. And this is also a 15-vote item. Um, agenda items, part of the consent agenda with additional recommendations are number 10, legislative file number 43726, establishing goals for regional transit authority legislation um, with an additional referral to the Long Range Transportation Planning Committee. And then to the, to the exclusion list, um, items requested by alders or from uh, speakers who have registered to be placed on the exclusion list include item number 19, which is, as was mentioned earlier, the um, authorizing the city to enter into an agreement with Site 1 Landscape Supply Holding LLC for chemicals and supplies to be used for EAB mitigation in 2017. Number 31, legislative file 4. 5516, authorizing a no-cost memorandum of understanding with Journey Mental Health Center, Inc., for dedicated mental health clinical crisis workers co-located in the police department, and it's been separated by Alder Kemble. Um, item number 37, legislative file 45573, to approve the 2017 Urban Forestry Special Charge. Alder Ahrens has requested separation. And uh, number 58, the legislative file number 44402, adopting the Yahara Hills Neighborhood Development Plan as a supplement to the City of Madison's Comprehensive Plan and authorizing the city's applications to amend the Central Urban Service Area as required to implement the development phasing recommendations in the Yahara Hills Neighborhood Development Plan. Alder um, DeMarb has uh, put an amendment at our table. So at this point, unless there are other things I'm not aware of, there are four um, items that are on the exclusion list. Thank you. So uh, Alderperson Rommel is moving the recommended action for each item on the agenda this evening with the following exclusions, public hearing items two through seven, and then items 19, 31, 37, and 58. Is there a second to the motion? Moved and seconded to adopt our so-called consent motion. Is there any uh, further discussion, any additions? Seeing none, those in favor will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. I believe the, uh, well, we aren't quite at the 645 yet for public hearing items. At this point, are there any items to be introduced from the floor tonight for introduction? 
we might consider. There are no such items. Uh, it looks as though. Why don't we proceed then to? I'm trying to. If any of these will be. You know, uh, Alderperson Demarb, do you believe item 58 will be fairly short discussion, like a couple minutes or? Okay, why don't we, why don't I accept a motion? You could go ahead, Alderperson DeMarb, and move suspension of the rules to take item 58 out of order at this time. Move suspension of the rules, take item 58 out of order. Is there a second? Moved and seconded to uh, immediately consider agenda item 58. Those in favor will say aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Agenda item 58 is a resolution adopting the Yahara Hills Neighborhood Development Plan as a supplement to the City of Madison Comprehensive Plan and authorizing the city's applications to amend the central urban service areas required to implement the development phasing recommendations in the Yahara Hills Neighborhood Development Plan. I recognize uh, Alderperson DeMarb for a motion. I'd like to move item 58, please. Is there a second? It's moved and seconded to adopt the resolution. Alderperson DeMarb. Thank you. Um, would you like me to read this since it's mm, everyone else doesn't know maybe what it why is? Don't, why, yeah, why don't, I, I would suggest that you move the amendment and then describe the amendment okay. in whichever way you would comfortable with. Would like to move with. the yeah. amendment to item 58, please? Second. Moved and seconded to uh, um, amend the resolution, Alderperson DeMarb. Thank you. So um, in lieu of reading it, I will just give you information on it. Um, I... I'm sensitive to expanding um, the city and specifically in residential areas if we don't have um, adequate city services for these areas. And you've heard me talk about um, Fire Station 14 for a few years now. We have residential neighborhoods south of the Beltline that wait up to 15 minutes for fire service. These residential areas were not created yesterday. They've been, some of them are, some of the houses are 20 years old. And so, you know, when I, I saw Yahara Hill's plan, which I want to thank the plan department for working on, and specifically Rick Rolls, who did um, a nice job on the plan, but there's a rather large residential area. So this gives me pause because it is cut off from the city. My district, as many districts on the edge, are cut off by the Beltline, by highways that go through our city, um, by industrial areas, and so the neighborhoods are not connected and community is hard to build. And so that's one reason, but the other reason is um, they might not have adequate fire protection, um, streets might not be able to get to them as quickly, and I just think that it's really important that um, we as policymakers are aware of those things. So I brought this up at Plan Commission um, last week, and um, um, Director Stouter, who, um, who does a fabulous job, um, reached out to me immediately, and um, she drafted this amendment um, based on our conversations. What this amendment is meant to do when these um, new plans come or existing plans come forward to be revised, that there's more transparency in what's taking place. And then the council and the plan commission would um, get, get the information up front. And the city agencies that you see here including um, engineering, traffic engineering, water utility, Madison, Metro Parks, 
um, MPD and MFD um, are specifically um, contacted at the beginning of um, either the revision to the plan or the update to the plan or a new plan. And so I hope that you can support this. And I just want to give the opportunity if um, Ms. Souter has anything to add to this that she's able to do so. You wish to add anything, uh, Planning Division Director Souter? No, not this. Okay. There are two other colleagues wishing to speak to the amendment. Uh, Alderperson Palm to be followed by Alderperson Zellers. I, I guess the, don't get me wrong, um, the second be it further resolved, um, I think this is a lot of policy. I, I totally agree with it, but I worry that bundling it in with this um, piece of legislation might not do enough justice to that as a policy decision. I, I you know, never thought about it, but quite frankly, it's to me something that totally stands on its own merits and that we probably should amend, you know, even probably ordinance, because I'm sure things go to um, what goes to plan commission is pretty well laid out. So I would, I'm totally behind it. Whoever, you know, whoever wants to work on doing that, I'm a okay with. But I think in this instance, this might be a step beyond um, the amendment that we're looking for. Thank you, Alderperson Zellers. Um, I'm very supportive of this. Um, plan commission had a fairly extensive conversation. Um, about the issue that Alder DeMar raised and was appreciative of her raising the issue and was reassured um, by the plan department that this kind of thing um, would happen. And I think having it in this uh, um, resolution really um, firms that up and so that people know what to expect. So I, I'm supportive of this. Thank you. Thank you. Alderperson McKinney. Thank you very much. My, my question is, uh, I like the language, and absolutely there needs to be a, a greater degree of transparency. Uh, my question is that, um, is this resolution specifically for the Yahara Hills in DP, or is, is it something that we really want to take a look at and broaden it and, and really expand on how we can make it not just for um, this particular plan, uh, neighborhood plan development, but expanded. So my, that is a question that I have. We have uh, Director Stouter would like to address that. Alderperson McKinney. Sure. I think I think the intent of the second added clause would be to take that procedure and make sure that we run with that for for all of our growth areas throughout the city. But Alder Palm's suggestion is a good one, and if um, it if the council would like to direct staff to work with city attorney's office on appropriately drafting a, a replacement just to make that clear in and on its own, we'd be happy to do that. Thank you, Thank you both. Alderperson Carter. Yes, I will be brief. Um, I, I like the resolution, the amendment, but I also feel that it should be for any development it really hits every point, um, Alder DeMar, and I would uh, encourage um, Director Stouter and Attorney May to incorporate this for all development. Thank you. Thank you. That might be an appropriate segue for uh, a city attorney then who wish to comment on the amendment. Yeah, I, I, I would just comment that I think the second 
addition is one that really isn't appropriate in a resolution for a given development. Um, I think that should be taken out and put into an ordinance that specifically directs, you know, planning department to do that and lays out exactly what it is to do on all um, future amendments to the CUSA. Um, I guess I'm not really too concerned whether you leave it in here or not, but this is a resolution approving this specific plan and to make the policy for the city and to have it in a place where people will find it, not just in some resolution somewhere in Legistar. It should be, you know, re remodeled to get the ordinance and, and put somewhere in uh, Chapter 28. So that would be my suggestion in terms of that second part. Thank you. Older person, Demar. Thank you, sir. Um, this is actually a conversation that Director Stouter and I had um, when this was being drafted, so I'm not actually surprised to see it come up. Thank you, Alder Palm, for that. Um, so um, I'm trying to think of pro um, procedure here. I would be happy to amend this by taking out the last here or last sentence and then commit to working with the plan division and the city attorney's office to get the ordinance updated. So without objection, then you're seeking older person to mark to strike the final be it further resolved clause from yes. your proposed amendment. Correct. Is there any objection to that? Seeing none, so then the amendment before us would um, simply be the a new be it further resolved clause that you all have in front of you. Did you have anything further, Alderperson DeMar? Thank you. Alderperson Rummel? Uh, thank you, Chair. So at the Planning Commission, Alder DeMar made um, a heartfelt and eloquent comment about um, the service, which she sort of alluded to at the beginning of her remarks. In particular, she mentioned the fire department taking 15 minutes to serve parts of her district, which we all would agree that that is just not really acceptable. So I just want to make sure that this language will ensure that any new development in this area will need to be able to meet that standard that we have for the five-minute service before a land use application is approved. Is that what we're doing here? Is that, um, Ms. Stouter, is that what this will, tell, will say to the future people looking at this resolution? Director Stouter. I think it's, it's limited to really making sure that the plan commissioning council see an analysis of what those response times would be. It's not saying that they must be a certain, um, you know, under a certain response time before an approval can take place, but just that the council and, and plan commission will see the analysis that's done, um, the interagency analysis that's done working with fire, police, um, engineering, traffic engineering, and others. Because I, I do um, share the concern having been paying attention to the council before I was elected about Ello Creek, and it still really doesn't have satisfactory bus service. So I don't want us to go forward some future plan commission saying, oh, well, you know, it's almost there, and we'll just go forward. And then 10 years later, an air, a new area is really just an isolated place. So I just want to, you know, I want to strengthen it. So, and hopefully that we, this review will uh, make that more possible. Thanks. No further discussion. No further discussion. We'll come to an immediate vote then on the amendment offered by Alderperson DeMarb. Those in favor of the amendment will say aye. aye. Opposed, no.
motion carries. Is there any further discussion then on the main motion? Seeing none whatsoever, we'll come to an immediate vote then on uh, agenda item number 58 as amended. Those in favor will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. The resolution as amended is adopted. We'll proceed immediately to our public hearing items this evening then. And it'll take us to recess public hearing report of the plan commission agenda item number two. Say rezoning amending a planned development district to approve an amended general development plan for a property located at 301 Cross Oaks Drive in the 9th Aldermanic District. I'll declare the public hearing open. There are no registrants. I'll declare the public hearing closed. Before we move on to new public hearing items, uh, why don't I uh, accept a motion on that, Alderperson Rummel? Accept the motion and the recommendations of the Plan Commission to Council to adopt. Is there a second? Second. We moved and seconded to adopt the report of the Plan Commission and its recommendation, which is adoption. Any discussion? Seeing none, those in favor will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Agenda item number three, report of the Board of Public Works, discontinuing and vacating portions of Merchant Street and Grass Camp Way within the plot of the Center for Industry and Commerce to permit the partial redivision of the subdivision being located there. I'll declare the public hearing open. There are no registrants. I'll declare the public hearing closed. Agenda item number four, approving the plan specifications and schedule of assessments for Langdon Street Resurfacing Assessment District. Declare the public hearing open. There are no registrants. Declare the public hearing closed. I'll recognize Alderperson Romo for a motion uh, on the Board of Public Works. So I move to accept the report of the Board of Public Works. Item number three, the recommendation is to adopt. And item number four, the recommendation is to adopt under suspension of rules. Is there a second? Alderperson Skidmore, you wish to be heard on this? Uh, yes, Alderperson Skidmore. Yes, could you please record me as uh, abstaining on item number three, please? Alderperson Skidmore, you shall be noted as abstaining on agenda item number three. Thank you. Is there any discussion on the motion to adopt agenda items three and four? Seeing none, those in favor of the motion will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Items three and four are adopted. Further report of the plan commission is agenda item number five, a rezoning of a property located at 6102 Odana Road in the 19th Aldermanic District. Declare the public hearing open. I shall recess the public hearing as that is the recommendation of the plan commission. Move on to agenda item number six, a rezoning of a property located at 2101 Fisher Street in the 14th Aldermanic District to correct the mapping error. I'll declare the public hearing open. There are no registrants. I'll declare the public hearing closed. Agenda item number seven is a ordinance amendment updating the city's floodplain maps. I'll declare the public hearing open. There are no registrants. I'll declare the public hearing closed. Alderperson Rummel, for a motion, please, on the report of the Plan Commission. I move acceptance of the report of the Plan Commission for item number five to recess the public hearing and re refer to the council. Um, 
to the plan commission. Thank you. Number six is to, uh, the recommendation is to adopt. And item number seven, the recommendation is to adopt. Thank you. Is there a second? Moved and seconded to adopt the report of the plan commission for agenda items five, six, and seven. Any discussion? Seeing none, those in favor of the motion will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That completes all of our legal public hearing items for the evening. In terms of our next item of unfinished business, that will take us to report of the Board of Estimates, agenda item number 19. Agenda item number 19 is a resolution authorizing the city to enter into an agreement with Site 1 Landscape Supply Holding Limited Liability Corporation for chemicals and supplies to be used for ammo dashboard mitigation in 2017. Alderperson Rommel for a motion. Uh, move adoption. Is there a second? Moved and seconded to adopt the resolution. We do have uh, members of the community wishing to be heard on this item. Um, Either podium uh, may be used for those uh, wishing to speak when I call your name. The first speaker is Shana Lieb of South Baldwin Street, wishing to speak neither in support or opposition, to be followed by Leslie Schrader. And uh, each of you will have three minutes to speak. Welcome. Please proceed. Thank you. Um, my name is Shana, and uh, I'd like to speak towards amending the EAB policy to include treating the ash trees that fall under the power lines. Um, over the last, I would say, two years, I have a little shy of about 100 hours worth of research into this issue. Um, I have started the uh, change.org online petition, which... I'm hoping that you guys are familiar with because as a person signs the petition in support of treating the ash trees which fall under the power lines, uh, an email is generated to each one of you uh, showing their support. So as of today, we have um, 668 signatures, but that sort of belies a greater number of people affected by the decision that maybe haven't signed the petition yet. Um, uh, as you have probably seen, um, the removals have already affected our areas very greatly. All you have to do is go down Johnson Street, which happens to be the, the gateway to my house, in order to see that to the left and to the right, um, those trees have all been removed on that particular um, street, not to mention I think 4,000 are what we have um, to this day that have been removed. Um, what's interesting is that in, in doing research on this, I noticed that Milwaukee has a very, very progressive um, policy on the EAB. They have 33,000 ash trees, of which they're treating 28,000. So their treatment is much more liberal than what we have here in Madison. Their save rate of trees is 85%. In Madison, we have 22,000 terrace trees, and only 11,000 are being saved, so we're at around the 50%, 54% mark um, of the save rate. So our cutting down of 10,000 trees is pretty substantial. Um, I, I would say that it constitutes an environmental impact report, which actually hasn't been done on this issue as well. Um, as you probably know the arguments, um, 
the power lines will be more visible without the canopy to conceal them, and that also makes more impoverished areas um, more visible as well and impacts tourism. It directly impacts people's ability to heat and to cool their house, both in the winter and the summer. So a lot of your residents um, undoubtedly um, are probably already complaining of uh, tree removals affecting their utility bills. Um, homeowners are also losing value on their homes when whole blocks are, are clear-cut due to this. I can actually kind of testify to that because I'm looking for a home and I've been working with a bunch of realtors who are also very, very interested in this issue because um, clear-cutting all these trees makes an incredible impact on the real estate as well. So I would urge you guys to um, please support the amendment of the policy to include treatment of the ash trees which fall under the power lines, all healthy ash trees. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll take any questions uh, following the conclusion of all the testimony. Our next speaker is Les Leslie. Yes, older person, clear. I, I just think it would be helpful to remind people that um, since the agenda item before us is a contract, certainly people should speak to you know anything related to policy that they like to, but I want people to be disappointed that the council is not going to have a discussion of EAB policy tonight since that's not what's before us. Thank you. That's a helpful reminder, and, and I think each of these individuals were present for our earlier uh, annual EAB task force uh, update as well, and they heard that those presentations and those those uh, questions from alders being responded to at that time. So again, we have Leslie Schrader here of Jennifer Street, registered in support of the resolution to be followed by Susan Williams. Please proceed. Thank you. I'm mindful of my three-minute limit, so um, I apologize for speaking quickly. I want to be really clear that a canopy tree is a 60 to 80-foot growing tree, where a non-canopy tree is a 20 to 25-foot tree. Um, one way of thinking of it is can you walk under the tree or are you going to walk into the branches of the tree? The least flattering way to describe a non-canopy tree is to call it a shrub on a stick. Um, I prefer to call them low-growing flowering ornamentals, but they um, do not have any of the benefits of a canopy tree in a lot of measures. Um, the argument um, of the risk management um, uh, is very circular and deceptive to say that the trees under power lines are all unhealthy because part of the criteria of what is a healthy tree is to say that it's not under a power line. It's a circular argument and it's deceptive. But let me be very clear, there are healthy trees um, growing under power lines. Uh, we listened in earlier on the EAB plan update where there was no opportunity for public input. So I appreciate the council patiently hearing the public testimony piggybacking on the EAB treatment suppliers agreement to also hear the larger concern of treating um, all healthy trees. I really appreciate the planning and resources that Madison, that is this council, and the forestry staff. I really appreciate what has been done to prepare the transition, um, our urban forest, through this unfortunate invasion of the Emerald Ash Borer. There are many cities which were less well prepared than ours. Like the unfortunate counties, which were part of a 15-state study, bear with me with this little jumble of numbers to make a point, comparing the mortality rates for cardiovascular and lower respiratory tract illnesses in the decades of the 90s and the 2000s to those of the early 2011 and 2012, after EAB had taken out 100 million trees in this study area, uh, the tree loss was associated with over an additional 6,000 deaths related to illness of the lower respiratory system and over 15,000 cardiovascular-related deaths in those 15 states through this huge natural experiment. This finding adds to the growing evidence that the natural environment provides major public health benefits. I've learned about this and about a thousand other facts and statistics about the benefits of canopy trees in urban environments over the last year. And the reason is, is because I have two big ash trees in front of my house. 
It was my 40th birthday last weekend, and I think that those trees and I are about the same age. These trees provide the southern shade to my house. They create oxygen and absorb hundreds of gallons of rainwater. They are storing carbon, and they are a place for urban wildlife to live. My neighbors walking their dogs or friends coming home from work stop and talk with me under the canopy of these trees. The most recent tree benefit statistic I picked up is that those trees cut up to 90% of the UV radiation. So these trees are also protecting me and my kids from skin cancer when we're playing on the sidewalk in front of our house. These two healthy, stable trees are slated to be cut down only because they are under a power line. My house is six feet from the sidewalk on one side and 10 feet from the sidewalk on the other. The street terrace is wider than my front yard. I am not going to be able to replace the benefits that those trees provide on my property, and nor can my neighbors. It is impossible to ignore that if these trees aren't saved, my family and our neighbors will be more prone to the lower respiratory illness and this whole heap of other bad stuff. I lose the benefits that these trees bestow through other measures of lowering stress and increasing markers of well-being, as well as a community loss of the lower ambient temperature and stormwater absorption and all these other good things that the trees do for us. Losing trees only under the power lines is an equity issue. I just want what my neighbors across the street get. I just want what people in other neighborhoods that have underground power lines get. I have wondered if the removal of all ash trees under power lines is an aesthetic choice. Some of them have been pretty mangled, and those cannot be saved. Unhealthy trees cannot be saved. But many trees have been shaped to accommodate the power lines, like an old French pear tree that's been espaliered right up against a brick uh, wall has been heavily pruned and shaped, but still that tree will be well and healthy for 150 years. We'd probably actually take pictures of it in nice postcards and appreciate its unusual beauty. But we have to get this right. We are galloping into an uncertain climate future, and these are the very things that can mitigate the problems of climate change, canopy trees, and we need to keep as many of them as we possibly can. It is not hard to kill a tree. A crew and some equipment can do it in a few hours. It has taken 40 years to bring these trees to maturity, and these trees are too valuable to lose. Other municipalities have been progressive leaders in setting total city canopy coverage goals and in treating all the possible trees. Madison can increase our efforts here, too, to the financial benefit of all the residents of the city. If we do not get this issue right, the residents will be back again and again. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Susan Williams of Turner Avenue. Registered in opposition. Yes, I, I am. Um, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Uh, I am a resident on the east side. I appreciate um, the canopy trees that there are in my community, and I oppose, um, I feel that we are being overly deferential to the utilities, and I oppose uh, the proposal to eliminate the ash trees under utilities regardless of their health and also to replace them not with canopy trees but with uh, ornamental trees which do not have the same benefits uh, both in terms of the the coolness and the beauty uh, of the neighborhood and and the environmental benefits uh, the pollution control benefits when we uh, when we plant a new tree, we're investing in the future, and I think it's important to consider that the power uh, the power lines that are up today may not be present 20, 25, 30 years down the road. It takes a canopy tree uh, between 20 to 25 years, sometimes 30 years, 
to uh, reach its full height and interfere with the the power lines. And within that time, I think the trend is away from having power lines along the street. Uh, More and more power lines are being buried. There are a lot of technological innovations, a move towards digital technology. And I think if we make a decision to plant what are essentially inferior trees now uh, without considering what the power uh, power line structure is going to look like 25 years down the road, we'll really be shortchanging ourselves. And I hope that that is something that will be Uh, seriously considered. Uh, The elms came down uh, probably sometime in the 70s, and uh, especially on Olin Avenue in that area, uh, canopy trees were planted sometime in the mid-70s. That's over 40 years ago, and those trees were not uh, tall enough uh, to interfere with the power lines and require central cutting until about seven or eight years ago. I mean, that, I think, gives an example of the kind of timeline we're going to talk about. And when you think about the technological innovations that have taken place over the last 30 to 40 years, I mean, it's really, it it is very short-sighted, I think, to, uh, to be thinking about not planting canopy trees. Thank you again for the opportunity to speak. Thank you. I'm going to following uh, registered on this resolution, not wishing to speak, uh, they're all registered in opposition to the resolution. They are as follows: Raymond Olderman of Dunning Street. This handwriting is a little hard to decipher. Aubrey or Audrey? Oh, okay. Well, then please come forward. You, we didn't, you didn't have the you didn't have the right form to speak, but please come forward. You can speak now. And then you can, yes, pink is the do not wish to speak form. <laughs> no problem. Please uh, tell us who you are since I can't read this very well. No, I'm going to my kids. You you're, uh, reside on Spate Street. That part I, I can read. My name is Audrey Lissondek. I live in the 1200 block of Spate Street. I was that street several years ago where they basically, because of the construction, demolished and we lost a significant number of our canopy trees in our block. A number of those trees weren't replaced, and they've been taking a really long time to get there, the ones who can can get replaced. Um, In terms of this policy, it was hard to say if I'm objecting or on behalf of the policy, because I actually want us to go a lot farther in terms of supporting EAB treatment. So I want that negotiation to increase the use of resources that we have available to support our EAB policy um, support for canopy trees. Um, I want to give a little bit of an analogy here. We're losing a significant number of our trees under power lines, and we need to make sure that they stay. A city like Madison has seen a decline of about 35% or more, but we don't know for sure of our big trees because we don't know for sure it's because we don't do any kind of impact analysis to determine what that is. Earlier today, I heard discussions about things like we do a one-for-one replacement policy. We actually don't. We have a lot of contradictory and inconsistent um, policies in our trees. So basically, when a road goes in and the terrace gets shrunk, the tree gets chucked. If we put in something else, 
like a road or a block or electrical wire, the tree gets tossed. If someone wants to do it in a driveway or an apron or an increase, the tree gets cut. It is not considered on equal par of other things in our communities as it may be in other places. And because it isn't on equal, equal par, we lose them faster, there's more. There isn't any reason we can't require MG&E to make sure it does training of its staff so that it, treat, it, it trims the trees effectively under the power lines until perhaps one day they can be gone. There isn't any reason that we can't grandfather in trees in older neighborhoods so that we put the right, basically have the right place for the right tree. They never put the soil in my environment that allowed me to put a decent tree in um, after it did. It created limits for the kinds of trees they could put in those places. We have zoning laws that have us put in place the kinds of things we need for buildings. We have building codes that we put in place for what we want for quality buildings. We have no codes that tell us what our trees should be, where they should be, and how that are conducive or consistent for the type of city and community that we live. I wouldn't put the same parking spaces in for my no old neighborhood with my parking, with my trees, with my um, power lines as I would in a more uh, an area farther out. Why would I expect the same here? I would be more sensitive to the fact that if I need a tree because I don't have the backyard spaces that I would require something that, re that gave me shade. We have the ability as a council to create a policy that supports it and puts it on one-on-one -on -one with our trees and I think we should think about that in your position. Thank you. Do you need any additional time or are you complete? Oh. Um, well, if you'd like to speak, one of our colleagues, Alderperson Aarons, was offering a motion to suspend the rules and allow an additional minute for you to speak. Thank Would you. Would you like to take advantage of um, that? If... You bet. Thank okay. You. So, <laughs> no objection to the motion to allow the speaker one additional minute? We can create a very specific policy that's a one-for-one -one policy that requires us to do a policy impact analysis for the trees that we have in our community. Specific to that, we can create the conditions, the quality conditions for what the trees should be, where they should be planted, and how. We could request an inventory for all trees that are done in the city and um, for what they should be look like and where. This is done in other places, um, so there isn't any reason that we can't do it here. So I think I'll stop there, but I'll be happy to answer questions um, like some of our other speakers We've got the data, we've got the city plans, we've got the examples from New York, um, uh, Phoenix. Well, that's not a good example, sorry, they're not like us. But we have a number of other, Chicago, in terms of where we've seen the significant impact um, that they've been able to create quality, quality, a quality city program or policy for across-the-board tree replacement. Thank you. Thank you. Some additional uh, residents um, wishing to be heard on this but not wishing to speak are Star Olderman of Dunning Street, who writes uh, in opposition, why is the convenience of MG&E more important than the needs and wishes of a neighborhood? And then uh, lastly, Sarah White of South Fair Oaks Avenue in opposition and writes, I oppose tree removal for the convenience of MG&E. This is an issue of equity in Madison's older neighborhoods which are disadvantaged by current approved policy and procedures. Are there any questions of any of our registrants this evening? 
Seeing no questions, thank you all very much for joining us this evening. Discussion on the motion to adopt the resolution. Seeing none, no discussion whatsoever on the motion to adopt agenda item number 19. Seeing none, then we'll come to an immediate vote. Those in favor of the motion to adopt shall say aye. aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. The resolution is adopted. It takes us to agenda item number 37, excuse me, 31. A resolution authorizing a no-cost memorandum of understanding with Journey Mental Health Center Incorporated for dedicated mental health clinical crisis workers co-located in the police department. Alder person Romo for a motion. Uh, a move on adoption of the memorandum of understanding. Is there a second? We moved and seconded to adopt the resolution. Alder person Kemble. Thank you. Um, I pulled this from the agenda just because I would like some more information uh, from the chief about exactly how it works, the role of the person. Um, and I first want to say that I am all for people without guns responding to mental health crises. And I really applaud you um, entering into this MOU. Um, I understand that there's, there's already been, you already have informal meetings with Journey, in informal monthly meetings. Um, you're already in touch with mental health care providers in our community. How does this formalize that relationship? And could you talk about the number of people who are going to be hired, where they will be located, and how if a member of the public or if I have a friend or relative having a mental health crisis, how do I call that person? If I want a person without a gun to respond to, but it's an emergency, is there a way to make sure that that person comes, or is this person's role something different? Police Chief Koval. Well, thank you, Alder. Uh, a couple of things. Um, we could never, as a 24-7 agency, sort of provide some guarantee that you're not going to be greeted by a police officer and our police officers all are armed. Having said that, we obviously have five mental health officers and right now we have one, for want of a better word, really embedded clinician from Journey Mental Health. What the Memorandum of Understanding does is create a total of uh, two full-time positions, but we'd be using three of them so that they're sort of divvying it up in order to give us better coverage across a wider span of the day and the week. Um, right now, uh, we have one who's been working with the team for the last year, and she actually works with all the mental health officers on a weekly basis in terms of collaboration. This obviously would give us a greater opportunity for collaboration, and we would probably have one of those assigned for issues west of the square, one of them assigned for issues east of the square, and Central has its own separate needs, which is where pretty much where Sarah is right now. Um, I, I suspect that we would do the housing one west and one north. Okay, and by collaboration, do you, could you be more specific? Do you mean just training or do you mean these people are actually being first responders? They're not first responders in the sense that they can go with a first responder but they are working in conjunction with, in tandem with. They're doing training, to be sure, but 
frankly, we rely on them heavily for their subject matter expertise. We have never um, posed these officers as having unique abilities to act as clinicians. I sort of see them on a functional plane as, as we have neighborhood officers who are assigned to a certain geographic domain. Um, all these officers are is people that are highly motivated, well-trained, and they are literally, their neighborhood are a constituency group that happen to be very mobile. Okay, so that kind of raises some questions mm -hmm. to me about um, confidentiality issues. So are you using these, these journey people, would they be like informants about their clients? Is Not really. Right? I think in those terms, those the confidentiality is a separate subheading if you look at the MOU. There's not like an abrogation of that. And, and to be sure, just so we're clear, MPD is not attempting to act as a substitute whatsoever for the vast majority of mental health issues that are out there. Mm -hmm. What typically happens by virtue of being a 24-7 agency, though, is that we tend to get those instances where folks are the most desperate or the most vulnerable, and sometimes their behaviors are acting out. And while they look on their face to be something that would alert a criminal authority because the, the behavior may be contrary to law. In effect, though, we understand that there's something else driving that behavior, and that's where we try to slow things down and try to do some good diagnostics and get people who do have that capability to help us. Okay. I'm still not clear on the actual role of the journey employees. If they're not first responders, you said they're doing training. They do training, but I would say that we, we, they can go out on calls and they assist on emergency detention petitions because although we have the statutory authority to place someone in an involuntary co commitment process, the fact of matter is we have to collaborate with those who have the unique subject matter expertise, which we do not. So that collaboration for an involuntary commitment must occur before any ED petition. So I would say that there's an awful lot of referral and deference to their subject matter expertise. We're just sort of looking at it as being sort of the first tier of diagnostics in terms of what we're witnessing in real time in the field. Okay, so just, I'm sorry if this no, is okay. tedious. Walk me through a day in the life of one of these workers. What, how do they spend their work day? Typically what they're going to see is they're going to see the overnights from the previous day and do follow-up because the behaviors might have been manifesting in some way and then those reports are routed to the mental health officers in the various districts. And a lot of times we're hearing from families, from friends, people who are acting out and sort of as you expressed, they don't want the acting out to manifest itself in a call for service. So they're asking that someone with the sensibilities and the insight and the time, not governed by the constraints of time and calls for services to be more preemptive, proactive, and to help their loved one sort of navigate some unfamiliar territory. So a lot of these officers' best skill sets, frankly, are navigating the various systems and providers, and that's what a lot of the training and the collaboration is. 
So the work of the, but I'm talking about not the work of your officers, but the work of the journey uh, clinical specialist two or whatever their title is. Mm-hmm. That you're saying they're doing follow-up work the day after calls have been made? Yes, with, or in advance of calls as we're getting. jail or? Uh, sometimes it's in jail. We have some anecdotal stuff sometimes in jail, but most of these people are at free and in liberty. And they're being called in by a, a roommate, a boyfriend, a, a, a parent. The case may be very varied. And so the clinical specialist, too, would go to, would spend their work day following up with those people? And with the officer. And with the mm-hmm. officer and doing some training of officers. Yes. Okay. All of the above. I'm a little more clear. That's Thanks. okay. Sure. Okay. Thanks. You bet. Thank you. Alderperson McKinney, do you have questions of Chief Koval? Do. Um, Be followed by Alderperson DeMarb. Hey, um, Chief, I, I, I'd like for you to, I'm going to give you a scenario that actually happened on the far uh, east side with a 22, it, uh, it resulted in a service call. A concerned mother did call the police and three police cars did arrive and they, um, uh, they were in full dress, full uniform. Uh, but they approached the situation and what had happened. The mother had, um, had a, um, altercation with her 22 year old. Um, he was in a very manic state, and she was so concerned, number one, that she would call the police, but she feared that he was wandering the neighborhood and that since he was in such an uh, aggravated estate, that that might be misinterpreted. And so the, the officers that showed up showed up with such compassion, um, and uh, the... Uh, East uh, District, the Capital District, there, there were three district officers looking for this 22-year-old. They found him, they located him, was able to talk him uh, down because he started on the east side and he walked all the way to the north side. So to summarize that, when the officers found the young man and brought him back to his mother, just calming him down, de-escalating uh, the whole situation, and so um, uh, the young man was left with his mother. Uh, he was in control. And so had that young man uh, been taken in uh, to be arrested, when would the journey um, provider, and I don't know what you're calling, when would, would, that, would that journey mental health provider then go to the jail to see them? When would that person intervene? Chief Cole. Well, yes, this is the chief. And I'll, I'll fill in some of the blanks, I think. Let's assume for a moment that the behavior in and of itself is out of sorts, but it's not to the point where it's criminal conduct or behavior. In an instance like that, the officers can probably place the individual under protective custody, which is not an arrest. And then the first thing they would do is that they would take the individual to a local ER where they would have a medical uh, analysis, if, if you will, to see if there's anything going on physiologically that might be prompting the behavior. And it's at that point that we first reach out to Journey, if not prior, to sort of be intrepid about getting there and doing the consult. And, of course, with anything to deal with the mentally ill, you're always looking for the path of least resistance and what causes the least amount of harm to an individual. 
So the outcome is always looking at, assuming they don't have any medical coverage of their own or if they fall between the cracks or it's insufficient, is that we'll always push first to see if we can't secure a bed for a voluntary admission. Um, these days, beds being at a premium or if the behavior was more animated, a lot of the local hospitals aren't equipped to deal with that kind of a patient. So sometimes we've taken people to Rogers outside of Milwaukee and other places just to try to find a voluntary admit. But if all things don't occur, then at, at that point that we talk to Journey and say, well, we can't get a voluntary admission, they're mentally ill and they're being they're posturing to be a harm to them or a danger to themselves or another person or to property, what is your recommendation? And we wait for that recommendation from Journey. If they say, well, we've exhausted all other means, I think we should do an involuntary petition for an emergency detention. That is a process of probate court, not the criminal court. And it's at that point then that we go through a petitioning process, have to serve it on the individual, and that's when we get on the the long ride to Winnebago and back. But, but to your point, Journey is at the bedrock, at the core of that consult in terms of what options are available to us. Thank you. Alderperson DeMarb, do you still have questions of Chief Koval? No? They've been asked and answered. Are there any further questions of Chief Koval? Seeing none, thank you, Chief. Any discussion, further discussion on the motion to adopt the resolution? Seeing no further discussion, we'll come to a vote then. Those in favor of adopting the resolution will say aye. aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Agenda item number 31 is adopted. Our final legislative item tonight is agenda item number 37, a resolution approving the 2017 Urban Forestry Special Charge. Alder Person Rummel for a motion. Um, move adoption. Is there a second? It's been moved and seconded to adopt. Discussion, Alderperson Aarons. Hello, um, thank you, Acting Mayor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, this has come up before, and I've uh, raised this issue before about um, this this charge. Um, first, let me say by um, way of introduction that. My opposition to the charge is, is uh, sort of opposite of my um, interest in a fully funded urban forestry program. And it makes it uh, a little more difficult to um, oppose this for that reason. But uh, my, uh, my own personal feelings about what kinds of priorities we have uh, in the city uh, should take a, sort of a backseat to uh, what I think are the clear problems resulting from and that are apparent in our use of this special charge. Um, this first came up in 2015 by way of uh, background and well 2014 for the 2015 budget and when it came up, uh, when it was first introduced, it was introduced uh, very much within the um, uh, framework of what was then the real um, uh, major EAB issue as it was uh, 
really starting to be found in city trees. It was no longer theoretical. It was, it was real that we were have to deal with the EAB. Um, and we instituted this special charge, and it was for, I think, half the year uh, because of the, uh, the late institution of it, and it was for $500,000. That was our other revenue instituted as a result of that. Um, uh, my view, and, and probably of uh, other persons who, uh, other olders who <coughs> opposed it, uh, said that this is, will certainly increase in years to come. And uh, though I said it, I had no notion really of the scope of that increase. Um, uh, in, in 2015, uh, the cost to taxpayers, to, I should say, tax, well, yeah, to people of property, um, was $13.80 a year. That uh, nearly tripled uh, in 2016 to $34 a year. This year, we're proposing about $50 a year. Um, and that is um, about a 44% increase again. Uh, so what we have is a what seemed to be a rather benign uh, fee of $13.80 a month that's paid one once per month, so it was about $1.10 per month. Um, and gee, who could argue about $1.10 per month for trees and so on, okay? Um, has become a $50 a year bill. And is this part of our normal budget deliberation? Uh, barely. It's actually, I looked at the budget and it, it, there was no entry into it, but I think that may have been a, uh, a technical issue. Um, but what we have in total, though, so we have a $3.9 million new tax. And our, let me see, want to get, say, get the data here correctly. Our, basically, our levy increase was about 4% last year. This is a 1.7% increase of our total levy. So just, just sort of in passing now, we're increasing our levy by about half. Um, and uh, ostensibly funding the forestry program, though I don't know how money that's deposited into an account is, into a general fund account is differentiated from other money, but that's a different issue. Um, but basically what we're voting on here is a, about a 50% increase uh, in our levy that's less than transparent, shall we say. We're going into, I guess in a few weeks, our um, strategic retreat or our discussion about city values and how we, you know, what we want to do for the city, with the city over the next years, and I wonder whether transparency as a government and as we, you know, sausage through this stuff um, is part of it because 
um, this is a, a pretty low mark on that on that um, score. I mean, to me, it is other than it's a it's mysterious appearance on the water bill, the so-called water bill. Um, it will it's unknown to most folks. Um, I don't think that voting for this, as I said at the outset, indicates support for forestry or voting against it is against forestry program. We've got to do a good, effective and comprehensive forestry program as much as our budget and science allows. Uh, but I don't think that it should be done in this way. Uh, uh, let me, you know, I think uh, we have our um, recurring paranoid uh, uh, notions of what may occur in the big building down the block, um, especially with two robust uh, Republican majorities. And uh, it does not seem far-fetched that this charge may be suddenly sunsetted. And there we will be um, without uh, ostensibly uh, funding for our forestry program. I assume we would quickly find means of transferring money from other programs, but it sort of puts the forestry program uh, out there in the headlights with um, and potential victims to people who really you know, don't give a damn about urban forestry. Uh, so I think we're playing a dangerous um, game here, and I hope uh, we can bury this thing before it grows further and um, uh, find a way to fund this program in a way that's uh, consistent and, shall we say, sustainable. Thank you. Thank you. Alderperson Clear. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, a couple of things that I think bear a little clarification. First of all, I don't think it's paranoia if they really are out to get you. Um, and, and I think that the, so the urban forestry special charge was created to essentially move the um, funding for the urban forestry off of the property tax and onto this special charge. It makes it um, one could argue somewhat more equitable in that all properties pay this charge, even those that are exempt from property taxes. Um, but I think the, the main issue here is that I think Alderperson Aaron's um, concerns are misplaced because um, while I agree with his concerns about how fast this fee has, has uh, risen, um, this particular plate was set for us by the mayor when he introduced his executive budget that called for an expected revenue of $3.9 million for the urban forestry special charge. And I didn't actually check, but I'm sure that that was highlighted in the Parks Division's budget, that that was the expected revenue. Um, and that's the entire cost of the urban forestry program. Um, the cost of that program has increased because of EAB, but obviously this charge is not just about EAB, it's about the, the whole program. So um, that, that plate may have been set for us by the mayor, but no one on this council uh, found another way to fund the urban forestry program, and so there it stayed in the budget. And this resolution before us is simply 
actualizing the numbers that are in the budget. And uh, if we do not pass this tonight or trim it, um, we create a hole in the budget that we need to fill uh, some other way. And uh, I would argue that that's even less sustainable than significant increases in this fee. So um, I, I hate to say we don't really have a choice, but I don't think we really have a choice of uh, whether or not to, uh, to pass this resolution because we do uh, expect the revenue in our budget. Thank you. Thank you. Is there further discussion on the resolution? Seeing none, oh, Alder Person Aarons. And for staff. Certainly. Uh, uh, Mr. Schmidicke, how, how much, I know it's not a lot of room, but how much room did we have left in the, um, in the allowable levy? Finance Director Schmidicke. Um, I believe. Five dollars? No, there was more than that. Um, I believe we had about, um, if I remember correctly, about 800000 or so mm -hmm. of levy room remaining. Right. And um, and how much do we have in the um, uncommitted fund, whatever, whatever we're calling it? Uh, the contingent reserve. Contingent reserve. Yeah, we um, uh, set that at $1.5 million. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, is Alter Clear correct that um, the 3.9 million um, was placed by the mayor in the executive budget? That, that was the So the mayor's budget added to what was in the prior budget. Right. Uh, it added about $1.3 million to bring it to um, the $3.9 million total. That's correct. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. I think that this is not a uh, unsolvable problem. I mean, I, I don't uh, uh, immediately recommend... Uh, uh, exhausting our contingency fund of 1.5 million, um, but I think that uh, there's money there to be had, both through the $800,000 uh, left in the property tax level, perhaps some of the contingency fund, and um, and other uh, budget savings or reductions over time. Uh, we may not be able to uh, remove the entire forestry charge, but um, I would certainly like to see it reduced. Uh, uh, Acting Mayor, um, <laughs> I assume it's too late for me to make a motion. Well, we could see if there's any objection to you doing so. There are, to answer your, if you're curious if there's anyone else in the queue, you're, there is not any other colleague okay. in the queue wishing to speak. Uh, can I, um, what is the motion to be, allow me to make a motion? Well, I did not do it at the outset. With, without objection, uh, that you wish to uh, make a motion uh, without having stated that at the outset of your being recognized by the chair, which is the rule that we've been following here yeah. all the years I've been here. 
Alderperson McKinney perhaps wishes to bail you out. Alderperson Aarons, <laughs> Alderperson McKinney. Um, an observation, and uh, at our last council meeting when I had dialogue and conversation before making the um, amendment, I was reminded that that is out of order, and so to have a consistent plate um, if someone else wants to make that motion, they can, but I think that that's out of order if we want to be consistent. I asked the, uh, the um, attorney, the city attorney, to speak to that. Uh, you'd, you'd, you'd wish Attorney May to address that yeah. right now, Alderperson McKinney? Attorney May, do you wish to uh, well, that has articulate been, what our custom is? The here? custom here is that if you're going to make hmm? a motion, you address it when you first address the body. There's some uh, difference of opinion as to whether that's a requirement under Robert's Rules of Order, but that has been the, the custom of this body. So that if uh, Alder Aarons wished to make a motion, he would have to ask leave of the body to uh, essentially not follow that rule. Thank you, Attorney May, Alderperson DeMarb. I would like to move to refer this item to the next council meeting. Second. Is there a second? It's been moved and seconded to refer the resolution to the next common council meeting. Do you wish to speak to that motion, Alderperson DeMarb? No, I do not. You do not. Okay. Thank you. Alderperson Clear. I would caution us against referring this. The uh, charge needs to be adjusted since we are already in 2017 uh, to get reflected on the monthly municipal services bills. Otherwise, we'll need to recalculate the numbers um, when we do pass it so that the uh, expected revenue of $3.9 million is still uh, achieved. Thank you. Alderperson Aarons? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that... Um, we should be rushed into something because of the problems of recalculation. Um, that seems to be a technical issue that um, technicians can deal with. The issue here is whether or not we are going to um, increase our, our levy rate here by, again, one-third, really without um, – some deliberation about what we can do to address this. I plead guilty, probably uh, along with everyone else, uh, for uh, not recognizing this for what it was uh, during the term of the uh, operating budget deliberations. Uh, but I think it's, um, it's worth uh, considering for this amount of time. We are now collecting the revenue, I believe, at our old rate. Um, at least that's what I last saw on my water bill. Uh, and perhaps that is a rate that we should keep it at or some other rate. But the fact that um, we have to recalculate something is a pretty poor impediment to us trying to do the right thing here. Thank you. Alderperson Palm. To be followed by older person Eskridge and older person King. It, actually, this was one of the questions that I had asked of uh, Dave um, because I knew um, 
I was curious to be, see where, where the Mary had, Mary, sorry, the mayor had um, put this. I mean, you can remember a couple of years ago when this was introduced that he himself had indicated that this was a very slippery slope and this was not the way to balance our budgets. And then he himself used this fee to balance the budget, and now we're on the very, we're slipping down the slippery slope. It's, it's the belt line at 6 a.m. this morning. Um, so, you know, I, I, I knew this was coming. This is this was the ramification of the budget that we had approved. Um, there there was no substantive discussion about it because I, frankly, assumed. I mean, I didn't bring it up because I already knew where the scenario laid. But I assumed if no one else was bringing it up, it's because you guys you knew what we were doing and you you had uh, uh, given in. You know, I. I um, I mean, I, I sort of object to sort of referring this at this moment because, one, we're just going to have this discussion. We're only going to land in these, the same predicament we are now, which is either increase the fees or we somehow figure out how to roll back uh, $1.1 million in the budget, which we couldn't do at the time that we were approving the budget. I'm not so sure about our likelihood to do that, um, you know, two weeks from now. So. I would appreciate, I do appreciate the conversations about uh, the special area charges or, and any, uh, not special area, special charges and any of our uh, charges on the municipal bill um, that we send to um, the home households. But as Alder Clear indicated, um, this is the benefit to the, the setup we have here is that these charges are borne by all our property holders in the city and not just the ones that are paying the ta uh, you know paying taxes. So this is a much more equitable way um, to to for us to assess these charges uh, to our community, um, and uh, you know therefore um, this is the smartest way to charge them, regardless of whether or not um, the budget's been increased or not. Thank you, Alder Person Eskridge. You no longer wish to be recognized. Thank you, Alder Person King. Just like. To echo most of what Alder Palm said, except the giving in part, um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I feel like we, we had this discussion, and I, I was fully aware of what did, and, and the sort of um, uh, paradox of the mayor um, backtracking off what he said two years ago when we implemented this charge, and fully taking advantage of every last penny of it this time around. Um, and I don't personally want to relive the operating um, budget debate because I feel like we had a pretty thorough debate on the operating budget and some of the projects that were in it. And from my um, view, I don't want to, I'm not changing my vote on any of those things. So that having been said and our budget essentially being fully loaded and my objective not to bring the levy up to the, the maximum limit and take advantage of the entire contingency reserve and save as many trees as we possibly can, especially after hearing from residents they, look, they want to save even more of them now. Um, I, I do not want to refer this. I think we already voted on it, and I think we should um, pass it and make it happen. Thank you. Is there any further discussion? Seeing no further discussion, the motion before us is referral of agenda item number 37 to the February 7th Common Council meeting. Those in favor of referral will say aye. Opposed, no. No. The no's have it. 
motion to refer is not agreed to. Any further discussion then on the main motion to adopt the resolution? Seeing none, those in favor of adoption of the resolution will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. I don't believe there's any further business before us save for adjournment. And if that is the case, then the chair recognizes Alderperson King. Move adjournment. Been moved and seconded to adjourn. Those in favor of adjournment will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. We stand adjourned. Thank you all very much.